Well, we have a special episode for you today. It's one I've been really looking forward to sharing with you. Our guest is the world's first decentralized, autonomous, not-for-profit within the crypto space. It's a Dano for short. But that's not why I'm really interested, because more than the really awesome way they're using crypto or this sort of innovation around DAOs they've created or the yielding strategies that they're using to make the solution possible, it's more than that. They've done something really special. They found a drive to build something that helps others. And then they put that idea into the world and they found more like-minded people who wanted to help. It's been like a grassroots movement. And now Angel Protocol has raised over 3 million US dollars and are making a powerful mission come true on the Terra Luna chain. It's a real honor to have two founders in Chauncey and Duffy speak about Angel Protocol, explain the tokenomics, how they are revolutionizing charitable endowments with this structure, and really explain to the non-crypto natives how this business works. I hope you enjoy listening to this one as much as I do. There are some more crypto-related, tokenomics-related shows in the works, but we are very honored to start with these wonderful founders and this great business. So without further ado, I give you Chauncey and Duffy of Angel Protocol. Chauncey, Duffy, welcome to the show and thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having us. It's our pleasure. Good morning. Good morning indeed. Well, Duffy, Chauncey, it's an absolute pleasure to be getting you on the show with me. Two co-founders from what is one of the most exciting protocols I've discovered in the big world of crypto, which is Angel Protocol. You guys are doing something which is very close to my heart, which is trying to connect leading edge technology with purpose-driven work. And so it's a real thrill to have you both talking about what you're doing with Angel Protocol, the journey you've been on and where you're up to right now. So thank you very much. And like before we dive into exactly what Angel Protocol is and all about that part of what it's about and why it exists, I'd really just like to know about why and how you both came to crypto as a market. So I think most people that's on their mind in traditional finance, the sector we serve is, how the hell did you get into crypto and why are you in it? Um, I could start Duffy or Chauncey, either one of you want to go ahead. I'll let Duffy take the first ball there. <laughs> so my background, William, it's split into two pieces. One piece is I'm a doctor, so I get the privilege of being an OBGYN and celebrating amazing moments with people when they're bringing new life into the world. The other piece of my background is in the nonprofit space. So I started a small nonprofit 20 years ago and grew it into a large nonprofit organization. And during that journey, I got to meet a lot of really interesting people. I also got to be able to understand a lot of the frustrations that we feel in the nonprofit space around sourcing sustainable funding to be able to cover our operating expenses. And um, several years ago, a friend of mine introduced me to crypto and encouraged me to get engaged just as a private investor. And so I did and just, you know, dabbled the toe in the water. But then, like most of us, you get sucked in because you learn about how interesting it is and how many use cases there are. And so that really pulled me all the way down the rabbit hole. And the further down the rabbit hole that I went, the more technologies became available and 
were launched into the world, the more use cases that I saw that could overlap and start to, uh, you know, potentially help out with some of the problems that I'd seen in the nonprofit space. And uh, Chauncey's tweet came along, which was like this spark that started the fire that turned into Angel Protocol. So I'm going to let him take it from there. The origin story of Angel still blows me away because to Duffy's point, it really was a tweet, like a shower thought that was sent out to the universe and everyone just resonated around it. Naval has a quote, selfless ideas spread the furthest. And that really has been the wind at Angel's back. There's a very deep undercurrent of people who want to give, and we've been able to, to tap into that. And people like Duffy and some of the other amazing team members who joined the team in the hackathon are just evidence of that. And for myself, uh, to your point of seeking out purpose-driven work, I was in a job for General Electric, uh, and it was fulfilling in a professional sense. It was challenging in its own way. I got to do interesting stuff with global software implementation, working with teams all over the world. But there wasn't a lot of purpose to it beyond that for me. Uh, so my wife and I were actively looking into other things that we could start doing. Uh, I was finding the blockchain space kind of separately from that. So my mindset was more around like homesteading and sustainable agriculture and like getting that set up for us. Uh, and then I started finding out about, out about the blockchain space at night and it was initially like a lot of people, just the investment thing. I can buy Bitcoin or Luna or Bitcoin or Ethereum and make money. Um, and then I figured out what DeFi was. And I'm like, oh, wow, this isn't just like a meme. This actually changes how finance works. But the real light bulb moment was it's not just finance. There's this whole world of Web3 where people all over the world can work together in meritocratic ways and come together and bring all of their own unique perspectives to the table. Um, and that's what's been exciting about Angel. At this point, we're over 25 team members spread across over 10 countries around the world. Um, and everyone has very, very diverse, different backgrounds. Like no one person got into crypto the same way as other people. And I feel like that's where some of our strength comes from. It's it's We're not a bunch of people who have been crypto lifers. We are bringing real world issues and problems we've seen and figuring out how we can solve them with the Web3 space. Awesome. So both of you came at it from different angles, but having a day job, having something else, and then found the rabbit hole that is crypto and then DeFi, and uh, then somehow found yourself to Angel Protocol. And I think maybe the best way into this for the listeners is, um, I, I'm reading in, in other part of your light paper, one of the articles was that you talk about abstracting away the most difficult elements of DeFi um, to deliver up for what is Angel Protocol. And I think I maybe I bastardized that slightly, but Maybe that's a great way to describe how and what Angel Protocol is doing and how it works for the listeners. So they, you know, either you're a charity or maybe you're someone who wants to give you. How does it work? So I would say like for Angel Protocol, the way that I start that conversation with charities who are interested in learning more about us is first of all, describing like, well, what are we doing, right? Like what problem are we solving? And the problem that we're solving is removing the barriers for charities that prevent them from accessing endowments. And there are so many barriers in the way for charitable organizations to be able to get access to sustainable revenue from endowments. The reason for that is that in the traditional finance world, if an organization wants to have an endowment, they typically have to hire an endowment fund manager. Now that comes with a price tag. That price tag, depending on where you're going and what they charge you, can be anywhere from $50,000 to $125,000 and up. 
to add on that type of a price tag for most charities is too high. It's too much. So when you know we all learned about the decentralized finance tools that allow us to be able to tap into stable, sustainable yields, we're able to team up with an amazing engineering team that created smart contracts that allow us to be able to build endowments that have a $0 entry point. And that's the problem that we solve. And that's what Angel Protocol is all about. We'll let Chauncey kind of talk about a little bit maybe of the mechanics of how that works. But really, that's the most important starting point is like, well, why do we exist in the first place? And it's to solve real world problems. What's the problem? It's that 95 to 98% of all nonprofits don't have an endowment. And how many need an endowment? 100%. And for those of you out there who maybe don't know what an endowment is, an endowment is a effectively a pot of money that's given to a charity in which they can like live off, I suppose, effectively. It's like a savings for a charity and a type of investment pool they can take and earn interest upon, which hopefully can sustain them in perpetuity, give them that sort of long-term horizon instead of always feeling like they're on the breadline, never knowing when if they're going to have enough money in the next quarter to continue doing the work that they're doing. Because it's charity should be a big throughput, uh, a process of taking money, getting it to where it's needed, right? But still need to run the business, have staff, marketing, sales, all the various things you need. So yeah, sorry, I just want to clarify that point of those who don't know what endowments are, but yeah, Chauncey, over to you, sir. The truth of the matter is we're still so early, right? People are becoming aware of crypto and DeFi and these things, but the barriers to entry are still rather high. Uh, and that was where the initial impulse of Angel Protocol came from, is how do we provide all of these benefits in, that are in the DeFi space without all the complexity that surrounds that? So with Angel Protocol, it strips that complexity away. Duffy spoke eloquently to a lot of the problems we're solving on the charity side. Uh, and with blockchain and transparency, you can also address a lot of the concerns on the donor side. So I'm of the opinion that people are inherently good, but they're also inherently do what's easy and convenient. And we don't make it very easy or convenient for people to give money, right? We put up all of these hurdles to doing that, both actual practical hurdles in terms of how the money gets there, but also psychological hurdles and a lack of trust around some of these charitable organizations, where the money goes, who the money is going to. So with blockchain, we're able to put that all very transparent make it so that when donors go, they can browse a whole marketplace of charities aligned with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, find the cause that resonates with them, uh, the charity or the index of causes that they want to donate to. Uh, and then it's a simple click. They can donate all kinds of different cryptocurrencies. We'll convert that into a stable coin. Uh, so the charities are not exposed to the volatility of crypto assets. Any assets donated get converted into a coin pegged to the US dollar that gets invested into their endowment account. Um, so really it's addressing problems and concerns on both the donor and charity side. And at the end of the day, we think any product with good market fit really needs to be easy and simple to use. So that's really our guiding principle of how we design the app, how we do training and information around it. Um, and what we're hoping to offer to the wider community of philanthropy, because we mentioned some of the things with endowments and with Angel Protocol, we feel like it's an infrastructure improvement to philanthropy. Uh, we're trying to change the mindset from, you know, this give a man a fish kind of thing to teach a man how to fish, create these sustainable giving streams, generative giving that will cover the operating expenses. So any additional fundraising that a charity were to do beyond that would really just be for growth and helping them accelerate their mission. 
I think I'm I'm already detecting for maybe the amateur out there who may be listening or sorry, a, a non-crypto native, as I think the terminology goes, some themes and terms we're using. DeFi, stable coins, smart contracts, yields. Sometimes the language in this space can be a little bit impenetrable and feel a little bit different if you're not, uh, again, even not a finance native person. You know, so for, for those out there, DeFi stands for decentralized finance. This is, I suppose in my term, my thoughts is just a, a cover of all types of traditional finance products that are out there that have been brought to the blockchain and in some way put on chain in a sort of decentralized way, which is sort of permissionless access and you know trustless interactions with other people. You talked about stablecoin. Now, stablecoin is a super important because you guys are built on Luna and the whole mechanism of Luna is around this algorithmic stablecoin, which is UST, which is again, really important to the whole process yields as well. So the yield is the return that you get and the stable yields that you guys can generate are, again, absolutely fundamental to Angel Protocol, how it operates, but also how things like Luna attracts people into the stable coin, right? And then finally, you mentioned about smart contracts, which I think are, again, intrinsically important to the way that you are able to set up these endowments that, in a way that the charity controls them, right? In a automatic way without them being needing to be operated or they are what they terminology is trustless. So I just thought I'd, I'd quickly recap on a couple of key terms there, guys. And do you want to just maybe start us off talking about how important the stable coins and the yields and the smart contracts are and how they all integrate together for Angel Protocol? You bring up a great point. You know, a lot of people out there are not really crypto savvy yet because this is such a rapidly developing field. So every day I have conversations to be able to get more and more charitable organizations on board and grabbing the power of these endowments. And it's going great. We're scaling really quickly. But many of the conversations are difficult because from the charitable organization standpoint, they don't have a background in crypto. So when we talk about crypto, the first thing that comes to mind typically are these wild swings of volatility, these ups and downs where fortunes are made and fortunes are lost. And it's it's just this really dramatic landscape. When you think about traditional endowments, you think boring and reliable and ready to go and just like stable and steady. So what we're building, when it's useful, it's the second. It's boring, it's reliable, it's regular. And the question then is, well, how do we reconcile those two? And the way that we reconcile those two is by using the stable coins. Now, a stable coin is a digital currency that's pegged to a fiat currency. What we use is UST, which is built on the Terra network. The Terra network, their native coin is Luna, so that's where we live. We use that UST, where one UST equals one US dollar. The moment that we use that system, it eliminates the volatility. Now, the yield that we're able to generate or that we're able to tap into is probably a better term, comes from Terra's protocol, which is called Anchor Protocol. It's a savings and loan protocol. And we tap into the savings end of it. Now, through a very elegant set of algorithms and metrics and, and processes, Anchor Savings is able to generate you know, between 17 to 20% return in a very stable way. And typically, it lives in the 19, 19 and a half range. So we tap into that stable savings return using stable coins to keep everything stable, reliable, regular, and returning for the charities' endowments so that their endowments are always generating that 17 to 20% return 
and that they're always growing to be able to provide that stable source of operating revenue. And the idea is that over time, they'll be able to attain financial sustainability. Now, in the nonprofit space, we have a lot of tag words, empowerment, sustainability. The question at the end of the day is, well, what's the definition of that? For us, the definition of financial sustainability is when a nonprofit organization can source 100% of their operating revenue from stable sources, reliable sources. And for us, that's the endowment. And not the principle of the endowment, but living off the yield of the endowment, the APR that that principle is growing by. Excellent. And I think now we're starting to get into some of the nuts and bolts of it, which is really cool. And I suppose that's maybe a nice moment, Chauncey, to ask you about the original concept and how it came out of that. And for many, you know, looking at this yield, did it, did it start there with the yield that was potential and, and how that yield could then be used? So yeah, maybe just tell us a bit about how that connects. Yeah. So I have a habit of when I get into things, I really go all in on them. And so when I found out about this whole space and DeFi and then more specifically the Terra Luna ecosystem and this anchor savings rate, I was telling all of my friends and family about it. I was putting together webinars and hosting calls where I would like take people's questions and answers for like four hours at a time. Just, you know, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, parents-in-law, my family, cousins, friends, just like people, you need to get your money in here because I knew that it was a great opportunity and I was enjoying the benefits of that opportunity and I wanted to share that with everyone close to me in my network. I was literally sending people Luna to their wallet and be like, you can pay me back later. Just get a hang for how the system works. You'll thank me later. They have all thanked me profusely. Um, but it was that, like, how do I scale that, right? Like, I'm just talking to friends and family. Like, how do we make this benefit more scalable and for the organizations that need it the most? Um, and it really was just that idea of the 20% yield. And with that much yield, you can do some pretty creative things with it. Uh, and the premise of Angel is very, very simple, right? It's taking 20% yield, you take 25% of that, so 5% yield, reinvest it into the principal. So the actual principal is constantly growing and compounding over time. Take the other 75% of the yield, so 15%, pay that out to the charities throughout the course of a year. You have a high revenue stream of the 15%, and you tap into the whole math of compounding, which is exponential growth. I don't know if anyone listening at home is familiar with the old anecdote, but I love it. It's a king and a peasant, and there's a board of chess. And the peasant says, I'm going to put one grain of rice on the chessboard, and I'm going to double it each day. Uh, and the king agrees to pay him that amount of rice. It's one, two, four, eight. By the end of it, there's more rice than can fill the entire kingdom, because that's the magic of compounding. When you're reinvesting that and doubling it and reinvesting it, that actual principle grows exponentially, as does the amount being paid out to charities. So it's this concept of generative giving. You give once and you give forever. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, so we've covered off some cool topics here. And I think, you know, for those interested in still hearing things like Luna and stablecoins and, and Terra and um, UST, and they're going, what is all of this stuff? And is this really for me? Well, I, maybe we'll put a link into the show notes, particularly about explaining what these things are specifically and how they operate. And, and that maybe help to understand this sort of principle of how important stable coins are within the, uh, the crypto world now, and specifically how the UST is becoming one of the dominant forms of uh, stable coins. So, but I think at this moment, I think I, I would like to just talk a little bit about how 
you know, if you're a charity listening to this show, like thinking, okay, like, but you know, someone's going to give me say 10,000 pounds and then what they're going to give it to you guys at Angel Protocol. And then you're going to give me the money. Really? Are you going to do that? And you're just going to run off and like, not give me my money. You know, I've heard lots of crazy stuff going on in crypto, but this is maybe where the smart contracts come in, right? And the beauty of this. And um, I know, Duffy, you had quite an eloquent description previously about the way those smart contracts work. And this must have been one of the main innovations for Angel Protocol to put together early on. So maybe you can just explain to me a bit about how this smart contract works to make this endowment process safe, secure, and still in the hands of the charities. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, first, I would give a shout out to our engineering team. The amount of talent that has gravitated towards Angel Protocol is immense. And I, I can't sing their praises high enough. Our head engineer, chief technical officer, Andre, is uh, just an immense pool of knowledge and talent and workforce that he has. He's really almost like a magician who's been able to create you know, what we've dreamed of and turned it into reality. So you know, just a, a big, big round of applause for them. But at the end of the day, when it comes to from the charity's perspective saying well are you going to run off with this money the most important message that we want to put across to any charitable organization that's signing up with angel protocol is that at the end of the day angel protocol doesn't custodian the funds we want all of the funds to be owned and custodianed by the charitable organization so that when a donor comes in and they come onto the web app and they look through the entire taxonomy of organizations they find your organization and make a donation that that donation now lives in an account that you own the way that that works is that a charitable organization will open up a brand new terra wallet and then that terra wallet gets connected to their angel protocol smart contract an angel protocol smart contract is designed in such a way that funds can move in a unilateral direction so they can move from that smart contract that is housing their endowment account which grows and gives and grows and gives and it gives that 75% of the yield on a weekly basis into their impact account and the impact account is also housed in anchor so both of these accounts are growing by that 20% you know it's variable 20% but the impact account all of it can be drained in one direction and that's into their terra wallet now their terra wallet the only people that can access that are the people who have opened that up because those are the only ones who have the username the password, the seed phrase. We keep none of that information at all. So it's really important to know that these funds, when they're given by donors, that we, our goal is to have no middleman, right? It's to link donor directly with charity. And the engineering team has been able to accomplish that through the smart contracts. And this is essentially in, in a brief description how that works. Yeah, this is the beauty of the blockchain, right? These Maybe the, the main utilities and the, the magic is the smart contract and how these smart contracts operate in a way that is, the, the term is trustless. You know, you don't need to trust that you guys are going to do what you're saying because the smart contracts operate in a way which are pre-programmed, which I'm presuming are audited and are then able to do what they do in a way which is, you know, cryptonomically secured. You know, we're using the blockchain and all the technology that comes along with that. So these funds will transfer through to the wallet. The wallet becomes like a de facto, both your ID and also your bank account in that instance of the charity. So they're being paid out in UST, in this UST stablecoin. Is that how it's happening? And then they just need to basically off-ramp, which is the terminology for getting that money out of crypto to US dollar or to pounds or to 
whatever the local currency is in their country. And they just need to use a centralized exchange for that generally. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. And so in those off-ramps to go from UST into the currency that works best for them to advance their mission and vision or accomplish their goals is on the charity side, because as a global network, we're onboarding organizations from all countries around the world. So we have organizations throughout Africa who have onboarded with Angel Protocol throughout Australia, through the United States, Canada, Central and South America, and several throughout Europe, many in your hometown, William, who are in the UK. I hope to help more as well get here in the UK. Yeah, this is really, really, really cool. Um, okay, so so cool. And I think maybe that'll be one we can put some links to, you know, so people can understand a bit about, you know, how you go from crypto to sort of fiat and how that process works. But the main ones in Europe, like Binance, you could use to transfer and Coinbase, uh, FTX, you know, you name them. There's many, many of those. I think what might be really helpful for us to talk about a bit now is the principle of Halo and your token that you have as well, because you folks have just been through your round of raising for funds for, for Halo, you call it your IDO. So maybe you could just also just talk us through a little bit of that success you've had so far with Angel Protocol, what you've just done with Halo, and you know also specifically like how important Halo is into the way that people can donate to charities and how charities can then use their funds as well. So I know it's quite a big one there. So gentlemen, take it away. Maybe Chauncey starts off there. Yeah, absolutely. So this is actually one of the things that I'm most excited about. As I was throwing too much terminology around earlier, uh, I mentioned, you know, DeFi, decentralized finance, and then it gets really interesting with something I called Web3. So when you think of iterations of the web, right, Web1 is the internet. Uh, When it first launched, AOL, Yahoo, all that good stuff. Web 2 was the introduction of social media, which really introduced these kind of centralized entities that sort of dominated the technology space for a while and led to these sort of tech behemoth companies and different questions, concerns around that. Web 3 is really the people's web. It is the internet decentralized and put in the power of individuals. And that is the power that Angel Protocol taps into. We are not one centralized team building a product and working in our silo. We are a community. We are community owned. We take input from people all over the world who help guide the vision. And by owning Halo, you literally own Angel Protocol. It's kind of the equivalent of having stock in a company, except you are actively involved in the decision-making process. You have a voice. You have a vote. Uh, You get to determine how the parameters of the protocol are set up. A lot of our fundraising, so we've raised uh, going on $5 million now for charity through various channels. One of those channels of fundraising for us was through our actual token sale. So rather than take all of the proceeds for the internal development team, we said from the beginning that 20% of all funds raised would go towards charity on the form of an AP endowment that is controlled and governed by Halo holders. So you can go by Halo, take part in governance, and then vote how charitable funds from that community AP endowment are allocated. One of the use cases for this is uh, Hurricane Ray, or Odette, as it's known in the Philippines, which devastated a lot of island nations and communities in that area. 
so we have some boots on the ground, so to speak. Some of the organizations that have onboarded to Angel Protocol actually operate outside out of the Philippines. So they're helping feed us information around what the status on the ground is, what organizations need the most financial support to help in the area. And this is where the whole decentralized ownership gets really exciting to me. Because you listening to this, anywhere you are in the world, if you have an internet connection, you can go buy Halo and now vote in how those funds get allocated for relief funding this month, any type of cause under the sun going forward, right? It's about where the community determines that these funds need to be allocated. And there's just one small bucket of it, right? There's a whole... Pretty much every element of Angel Protocol will ultimately be owned and governed by the community with elections and representatives and councils and the whole nine. But rather than have it be behind some opaque private industry or company where you don't know what's happening, all of those decisions, all of that debate, all of that voting will be fully transparent on chain. So you don't need to trust what's happening. You can see and verify for what's happening and be an active part of that. You can be a voter. You can campaign to be part of the committees that, that make the decisions and be an elected representative for Angel Protocol. But it's a really exciting time where you're basically redefining governance, how people interact, how value gets exchanged, how decisions are made. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, Angel Protocol aims to be the world's largest, most effective community-owned charity. And you call it a Dano, right? So a, a decentralized, autonomous, not-for-profit organization. A bit of a mouthful. That's right. So, um, And I think these DAOs, as they're otherwise called in other parts where they're not the not-for-profit component, are a real fundamental part of what is very different about the space, right, of crypto and the way that they operate. And I would certainly recommend that anybody who's listening that they go and explore this component of it and the importance of it as a, a real way to revolutionize the way that organizations are being run. So I think maybe I'd just like to double click there a little bit, but certainly around the way that Halo empowers this. So Halo is your native token and Halo is a way to give, you know, you have skin in the game, you, you go and purchase Halo. But this is just also clear on this, how it works, but the, the description you were just giving us there, say that the typhoons that have hit Indonesia, these funds that would be directed aren't coming from the charities who've you know, have locked it up in their specific charity endowment. This is from a separate pool of money. Is that right? Or do you want to just explain that? Yeah. So that comes from Angel Protocol's endowment, right? So we took our own medicine and essentially created an Angel Protocol endowment. And instead of the yield from that endowment coming back into the team, the yield from that endowment goes into charitable giving. And so the question is, well, who gets to determine where that yield is going and which charities will get funded from that yield? And the answer is the community determines. Halo holders determine. We have a really amazing video that is only a couple minutes long, and it describes the mechanics of Halo. We have a, just an incredible design team that put that together. We'll definitely link it into the podcast, William, so that people can take a look through. Yeah. One of the benefits too about owning Halo is that, so there's a few mechanisms where it benefits the charities or the charitable organizations that you're passionate about. So like if we fast forward in time and we end up imagining that we have 10,000 organizations that are signed up with Angel Protocol, the question is, well then... How do you figure out which ones are the first ones that are visible on the charitable marketplace that we have created? And the way that that gets determined is by 
the community because the community who owns Halo, they can stake their Halo tokens to the charities that they love, that they're passionate about, that they want to see the greatest amount of support flow into. The more that they're staked, the quicker that those charities are visible on that charitable marketplace. So it's like active engagement between donors and charities in a new way. The other benefit is that, you know, after we created these smart contracts that allow for any charitable organization that wants an endowment to get an endowment without having to pay for it, like we thought, wow, well, we've done it. We've done something amazing. We've turned the tide of charitable giving and and how charities operate historically. And it's wonderful. But we took it a step further. And what we did is we went out into the for-profit space and all of the for-profit companies in this amazing world of crypto that are popping up every single day. And we said, you know what? I bet there's a lot of really caring and generous people that would love to be able to get engaged with charitable giving. Let's give them the chance. So we created something called the Angel Alliance. The Angel Alliance is a brand. Any for-profit company can join the Angel Alliance and say that they're a member. But in order to do that, they have to publicly commit to giving at least 1% of their annual revenue to charitable giving through Angel Protocol. So we thought, well, maybe we're going to get a one or two or you know, maybe we'll generate some interest here. But we are blown away with the interest. So far, we have more than 80 for-profit companies in the crypto space who have all signed up to be a member within the Angel Alliance. What that's done for us is, one, it's amazing. Like It just fills our hearts full of gratitude because we get to be able to see that for-profit companies in the crypto space are inherently generous and that they inherently want to do good things in the world. The other thing is it was exciting because all of a sudden now we have automatic funding and automatic donations coming at us, but it put a little bit of pressure and it put a little bit of like additional responsibility on our shoulders. Because when we have automatic funding coming at us, the question now is, well, how do we distribute this in a way that is impactful, that's transparent, you know, and that is equitable? So our answer to that is that we have 17 indexes that we've created. There's one index for every one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And each index includes 10 charitable organizations that are aligned with that UN SDG. So UN SDG number one is no poverty. And what we do is we highlight the index of UN SDG number one, which is the wallets of 10 organizations that are all aligned with no poverty as their main mission. And we fund those wallets up to a threshold. And once that threshold is met, we move on to UN SDG index number two, which are 10 wallets of organizations that are aligned with no hunger. We fund those up to a threshold. When it's met, we go to number three, which is uh, health and well-being. And then number four, which is education. And five, which is gender equality and so forth and so on. What that's done is it gives us like an elegant, mature, and very impactful way to be able to, an intentional way to be able to distribute these automatic donations. But then the question becomes, William, well, when we move to 10,000 charitable organizations who are signed up, who is included and who's not included in these indexes? And at the end of the day, like I shouldn't be in charge of that. And Chauncey shouldn't be in charge of that. Halo holders should be in charge of that. The community as a whole should be in charge of that. And owning Halo gives the community a voice to be able to stake those Halo tokens to the charities that they're passionate about to increase the chance that they'll be included in one of those indexes. And I think the last part, and I'm going to toss this over to Chauncey because he has the most eloquent way of describing it, is like part of the financial benefit 
of owning Halo and why that's important and kind of the, the ethos behind that. So one of the one of the really cool things about this is we believe in a philosophy of win and help win, uh, which is you want to align incentives rather than relying on some kind of outdated concept of, oh, you know, altruism only for altruism's sake. You know, that's great. And we want to attract that kind of energy as well. But being realistic, when you look at what works and what doesn't work, a lot of times you get the most donations and charity generated when you can make it a a win-win type situation where there's some type of benefit in it for the donor as well. And there's various forms that takes in traditional philanthropy, whether it's putting someone's name on a building or giving them a tax break or XYZ. With Halo and with Angel Protocol, we wanted to make sure that the community had skin in the game in the sense that you buy Halo, you can stake it directly to a charity you support that has benefits for the charity you're staking against, but it also taps you into a small portion of that endowment yield. So as Duffy mentioned, there's no fee to set up an actual endowment. Uh, there's no charge to donate crypto to a charity beyond the, the transaction fees. So the business model is really on the endowment performance yield itself. So out of all of the yield generated, 10% of that is taken Half of it goes to fund the protocol, which will be a capped OPEX or operating budget, I should say, of how much the protocol needs year over year. Uh, anything additional will go to subsidized charity fees. The other 5% goes to Halo stakers. So I, as a person, have a charity that is very effective in my local community. Uh, I think they could benefit from being on Angel Protocol. I can go onboard them to Angel, just you know, share the information and docs with them. They can create their own wallet and endowment. I can then stake Halo against that charity. So I am boosting their visibility on the platform. Uh, and I'm also now tied into the financial success of their endowment. As their endowment grows, the 5% cut of that yield I get as a staker will also grow. So there's an aligned incentive to not only onboard charities, but then continue to work to fundraise for those charities because you're raising money for them and the great cause, but also ultimately you're taking part in that financial upside. So to us, that's the epitome of win and help win. It's not a zero sum game. It's not, oh, well, the donor gets to win, so the charity has to lose. It's both the charity and the donor can come out ahead of where they would otherwise be simply by aligning the incentives in such a way that they benefit one another. I love this because for some time I've thought about, you know, giving as a, it is kind of covered and um, maybe with some, some social cliches I want, you know, that are such as, you know, that if you give, you shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, it's, you should only do your charity and you should be silent. One of the problem with that obviously is then is like, how does the person who's giving get that continual little like, you know, dopamine hit to continue doing the giving? Because it, you know, it, it's hard to give the first process to learn to give and then to continually experience the joy that you get when you give. Humans are very good at like, you know, adapting, right? Hedonic adaption to the good stuff. So I truly believe in what you're saying. And I've often thought about this idea that, you know, people who do give can be people who aren't particularly rich either, right? And so it becomes a disproportionate tax on them. You know, why not allow them also to earn as part of that? And and I know that what you seem to be pushing, not only not developing, not only this way to create an endowment, so I can come and give, you know, five thousand pounds to my favorite charity. They can then earn their twenty percent yield on that in in perpetuity. 
but I, I understand you're also looking at ways in which you can give, like maybe temporarily, and then take the money back as well, which I think is an absolutely you know exciting development. So, you know, you, you talked a bit about the way that you can stake. So you're setting up a staking. So in it's another you know another crypto term that people get to know staking and how important staking is. It's a way that the networks are secured, effectively allowing the transactions to take place. I won't bother um, the audience with that right here. We'll maybe put a link to what is staking in the show notes. But you guys are also doing things like that as well, right? Maybe you just sort of talk about your your staking. I think you're using Bison Trails as, as a way to do that. Do you want to just talk us through that and how you're even taking this idea further? Yeah. So I think you tapped on a very interesting concept there, which is the fact that giving really is quite addictive once you get into the habit of it. And just a side note, it speaks to some of my personal beliefs, which is really not so much a belief in pure altruism as much as a belief in the joy that giving gives you, right? I feel like ultimately a lot of people who do altruistic things do it out of a kind of positive self-interest where they realize how good it makes them feel, so they want to keep doing that. But to your point, if you don't make that easy for people, if they don't get that first taste of how good that can feel of making a difference in someone's life, then they probably won't be drawn to do that. So back to the premise of Angel trying to make giving and charity an easy thing to do, we open up as many avenues to do that as possible. So you can donate directly, uh, whether cryptocurrencies or uh, like standard we call them fiat currencies, but just USD, whatever your local country currency is, we'll be accepting all of those types of donations as you would a standard donation. But then, if you want to do something where you don't want to give up your principal, but you want to have the yield from that principal go to charity, then you can stake up your original tokens, have any yield generated from that sent to charity. So I won't get too into the technical side of things like you mentioned, but Blockchains work in different ways. Uh, most blockchains these days work on this proof-of-stake concept. You stake your coins, uh, it secures the health of the network and verifies transactions, and you get rewarded with transaction fees for doing so. I only mention that because that's where the yield from your actual principle comes from. So you can stake your Luna. You don't sell your Luna. You don't remove any of your price exposure to that asset. But you're getting this yield on top of that, and all of that yield gets sent to charity instead. And then at any given time, you can unstake your Luna, take it back, go do whatever you want with it. So you don't lose anything, but you're generating charitable giving the entire time you have that staked. So it's a no-loss donation type thing. And then there's a lot of different ways we can go about that. A lot like It's a, a whole spectrum, right? So another one of our partners is a protocol called Apollo that basically do what Angel Protocol does on a personal level. So someone can deposit their principal, the yield from that, 25% of it will compound their position, the other 75% will go paid out to charity. So in this way, it's a win and help win. I put $100 in. Over the course of a year, let's say that earns $20. Five of those dollars come back to me, 15 of the dollars go to the charity, at the end of the day, I have more money than I started with, and I've been generating a revenue stream to charity the entire time. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? And I think a lot of people, do you, do you get questions about like how this yield is created? Is that a, a regular question you get asked from by charities? Like, you know, this 20%, where does it come from, right? Is it, you know, is that something you're regularly getting asked? All the time, all the time, because it sounds too good to be true, right? 
I mean, it sounds too good to be true. And so there's a couple of different ways that I describe it. And so I would say when I have an organization that we're going through the same type of conversation and they don't have a background in the crypto space, the analogy that I use is to say, imagine if you have a million dollars today and you walk into a bank and you say, I have a million dollars that I would like to deposit into a savings account. What's the rate of return that you can give me? That rate's going to be staggeringly low. Now, imagine on the flip side, it turns out that the bank doesn't have any buildings and doesn't have any employees and they don't have any overhead cost. Now, you as a depositor, what could you expect on a return for depositing your funds into a secure savings account? The expectation would be much higher. And that's really what the decentralized finance world has opened up, is opened up the banking tools, but with removing a lot of that overhead expense so that users can capture a much higher rate of return. And that's like the most basic analogy that I try to use. I think I heard it as put something like um, crypto and DeFi disintermediates very effectively the process of financial transactions, considering, say, if you are buying a share, for example, with your broker, there are potentially 11 different counterparties in that, in that process of purchasing it, 11 different people taking a slice of the action. And all of that obviously goes into the ultimate cost that you're paying. And it's a very similar world that we're talking about. The differences within DeFi is that they cut out so many of those middlemen, shall we say, and you know connect you direct straight into the action, which is why these these returns. And I mean, and I think for many out there who are listening, you know, 20% is pretty conservative as well, right? I mean, there are, you know, yielding, you know, opportunities, not only in the, and if you go on to Anchor, you can see that you can stake your ANC and I think UST and get something like 89% paid out in, in I think, ANC, which is their governance token, similar to Halo. So yeah, there's many ways, right? It's, it's a rabbit hole once you go into, um, as you probably both have found out, it's a very exciting one. I can really understand how it connects together. But I, I'm kind of mindful of time, and I, I really wanted to talk about something which I think is really fascinating about your organization, which is the Dano setup, because you know, talent equals in the show that here, and I'm, I'm a headhunter, I work with organizations who are in the traditional setup. But you guys have got 25 people, and you're doing this in like, you know, Duffy, you're talking to us from Hawaii, right? Um, Chelsea, I forgot where you are, but you're in New York. New York. Yeah, New York. So yes, okay, sorry. And so you guys are on like very much opposite side. I'm in the UK, but you've got people all over the world. So, you know, talk us about this sort of distributed organizations and, and how it works. I mean, is that something that's, you know, really working for you in terms of getting stuff done? Just tell people about that, please. Yeah. It's not working for us. It's excelling for us. Um, <laughs> The amount of progress we've been able to make in such a short time is tremendous. So, I mean, not to take a victory lap because we're still at the very, very beginning of what we're trying to do here, but we started in May and we have onboarded over 80 charities. We've raised nearly $5 million in donations. Uh, and then we had a whole Restore Earth campaign, which raised $1.5 on its own from over 2,000 individual donors. And if you told me we'd be doing that in April, you know, I would have laughed at you. Like even when we were getting together in a hackathon, you know, we had ambitions, we had high hopes, but we couldn't have possibly imagined we'd be where we are now. And it goes back to that thought of selfless ideas spread the furthest because where I've been incredibly, incredibly blessed with Angel is it just attracts such a high vibrating frequency type of individual. 
Like I have never met a higher concentration of incredibly interesting, intelligent, thoughtful people. And the diversity of backgrounds is huge. We all come from very, very different walks of life, have very, very different, you know, experiences we're bringing to the table here, knowledge of uh, either nonprofits or the crypto space or just general global business and infrastructure. And to combine all of that together, you can't do that in a traditional workspace. Like to have people coming into a physical location where you're limited by who lives around that location, to try and have to go through it in such a way where even if you weren't limited to location, the ability to interact together and like breach these like bureaucratic systems. It's really interesting because you talked a little bit about all the intermediaries and issues that they have. There is so much cost built into legacy systems simply because of our inability to trust each other or connect properly. And I think through a number of factors, you know, the rise of smart contracts, the whole push to remote work and leveraging systems like Zoom, all of this has combined together to create an environment that has never existed before in human history. We have never, ever been able to connect anywhere around the world, exchange value directly peer-to-peer -peer without intermediaries, and be able to work off of each other, bounce off each other's energy. I mentioned that Restore Earth campaign, raising $1.5 million. That idea came to us from a gentleman who quit Apple as a senior marketer leading their Apple Cash team to come over to Web3 specifically to drive this Restore Earth campaign for Angel Protocol. So we pulled talent in from Apple to work on Angel for free to create this campaign just because he wanted to do something impactful, saw what Angel Protocol could do, and said, hey, with this technology and team and this idea, we can do really exciting stuff. That was in November that we were talking about this. And since then, we've raised $1.5 million through this campaign, accepting all kinds of different cryptocurrencies, reaching a global audience with it. So that's the kind of thing you can't do in a traditional company. You just can't move at those kinds of speeds. You can't get that kind of valuable input from so many people in such a meritocratic way. So that was a long answer, but it just it's something that's really I'm I'm very passionate about. I want more people to look into this space and all the possibilities because it's ripe with them right now. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean I, I, I'm just thrilled to hear that, you know, people are recognizing that you don't have to do stuff just as it's always been done. You know, you, you can really question the sort of the orthodoxy of the way that organizations can operate, the way that people can interact the way that we can trust each other. Those words you put out there, I think it's very true. Because I think down at heart, if you get together a great group of people with a very clear mission and an understanding of what they want to achieve, you know, real magic can happen. And, and I suppose that's sort of where I think about with you guys, like how are you leading the organization? Because you've had, some, I just want to say this, you had some amazing people get involved early on, like with Delphi helping you guys with your tokenomics, which is, you know, for those out there, Delphi Labs are one of the one of world leaders in the creation of tokenomics and a variety of solutions. They were VC, but they've also done development. Incredible um, group of people to get you to help you. So you've got these guys in the background. Sounds like you're pulling in talent from all over the market. But like, how do you direct all of that then as a team? Are you sort of is one of you taking the lead as a CEO, or are you sort of divvying that up in this you know highly you know meritocratic sort of way? Um, yeah, just tell us a bit about the way the organization is setting strategy to move forward as well. 
Yeah, we're incredibly decentralized. Everyone on the team, it's been a very organic process where people have kind of stepped up to fill the roles that they're most passionate about and best able to drive. Like Duffy leads all of the charity onboarding. He's our our chief impact officer, right? He is the guy to talk to charities, to have these conversations. Obviously, we have a whole angel ambassador program, but that's something that Duffy helps nurture and guide along the team. But really, it's not very hierarchical in that sense. So yes, we all take different roles in the team, but there isn't one single place that direction is coming from. And from the very beginning, we've recorded every single team call we've ever had. Everyone on the team is invited to pretty much all the calls that happen. Everyone gets a chance to put their input. So the end result is not the result of one person from the top saying this is what has to happen and then everyone's scrambling to get that done. It's through consensus and discussion and intentionality. So you can't completely get rid of any type of you know, roles within an organization, but it's much more fluid and organic than your typical top-down hierarchy. Duffy, anything to add to that? Yeah, I would say we try to keep it as flat as possible in terms of like organizational structure that's been very successful. The idea behind Angel Protocol is so strong and it resonates so strongly with people that I think it's turned into like its own gravity well and it's attracting immense amounts of talent. And then that talent is attracting more talent because when we take a step back and we look at the people that we're working with, then we look at the people who are on the calls it's just moments where we're continually impressed by who's showing up, who's there, what they're doing and what they're giving, and also grateful that we get to be a part of it. I mean, I think those feelings are really what drive us, that this is a meaningful, impactful organization that's doing something that I think from a societal standpoint, we all kind of think should have been done a long time ago, just make endowments open and accessible and easy to get for any organization that wants one. And we're doing it with a team that is like so passionate about making this a reality that we're seeing enormous gains, like not year after year, but like week after week, day after day. And so it's exciting and it's fun. And um, because of that, people feel engaged and willing to share their ideas, despite like if they're new to the team or if they started at the level of the hackathon or wherever they come in. I think. You know, when you have an exciting, thrilling work organization and work environment, it encourages a very type of like flat type of conversation where everyone can have their voice be heard and be a part of it. And the result is these massive gains that we're seeing $5 million into the wallets that are owned by charities. Like that's huge in less than a year's time. You know, having a token that is live, that was guided and nurtured by like one of the leading organizations worldwide for bringing tokens into existence. Huge. I mean, all of these wins one after another so quickly, yeah, it makes for an amazing work environment. And um, they're only possible because that environment is open and people listen and people contribute. Hey, well, I, I feel that story myself personally very, you know, I, I came to you guys because I was looking around, you know, because I hear people say so much like, you know, crypto is just a bunch of, you know, sort of people trying to like make a bit of money. It's all a bit shady, isn't it? Like, we you know, what drug dealers and criminals use, that's what they do. But I'm like, no, there is a utility to it. And the best of crypto is when there is a proper utility 
to the technology and you know you guys are showing what can be done with what the innovation that's formed around DeFi. But then when you also just think about doing it purposefully with other people's benefit in mind. So I'm I'm really thankful for you too and the whole team, Angel, doing what you're doing. So um yeah. And I think that really kind of brings me to a, a moment where I like to ask usually like how listeners might be able to get involved or help. And you know specifically you've got your Halo token people can get involved in. I missed it initially, but you're telling me that I could get involved off air. So I'm I'd love maybe you could tell the listeners that, that bit. But also if you're an interested charity or an organization you know, they, how they can come and find you guys to um, give some money or give some of their expertise. So for Halo, to be able to purchase Halo, you can go to Loop. I believe it's loop.market. Uh, loop.markets. Uh, and you can also navigate there through our angelprotocol.io site, and it'll bring you to the same place for swapping. We'll put some links to that as well. And then I'd say our most active community is Discord and then Twitter. So follow us on Twitter. Uh, it's Angel Protocol at Angel Protocol. You can check out the website, angelprotocol.io. I'm a big fan of learning through videos. Everything is on YouTube nowadays. So we have a YouTube channel for Angel Protocol. Just search in Angel Protocol. And and we're available. We're available worldwide. So if you want to get signed up, we have a sign-up form that generates like it's an interest form on the website from an organizational standpoint. So if you are a, a charitable organization and you want to get your charity onboarded with an Angel Protocol endowment, Go to angelprotocol.io, click on that form to indicate your interest, fill out just a few short data points, and then you'll be directed over to our team and we'll reach back out and set up a time to be able to talk more. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, as I usually bring the show to an end, I usually like to ask, you know, if you've got any books or sort of material that, that have influenced you or might help others that would be either interested in crypto, find out. I'm constantly being asked about books and articles. But also maybe just generally things around, you know, uh, effective altruism or giving or anything like that. So yeah, if you've got any anything you'd like to share, books, material, magazines, websites, anything you'd like to share that have influenced you or be useful to the listeners, this is your moment to uh, to share. Should we start with Chauncey? Do you have something in mind? Uh, so, so much. Um, and honestly, <laughs> for me, I still read a lot of books. Uh, I've also found that I get a lot of valuable input from things like Substack which for those not familiar, it's a, to put it simply, it's kind of like a blog type site where people can have their own thought pieces. And that's where I keep current with a lot of the stuff going on because the space changes so fast, whether you're talking about blockchain or philanthropy. So there's a number of people that I follow in that space. And there's also certain thinkers in the space that I, I gravitate towards and will seek out podcasts from them. So one of them is Naval Ravikant, and he has been a pioneer in the blockchain space for many years, um, has a lot of very interesting thoughts on how the whole Web3 will evolve in terms of society and government structures in the future. Uh, similarly, uh, Balaji Srinivasan uh, is another thinker that I would encourage people to reach out and check out. Also kind of blockchain oriented, but also social impact focused. So he's got some interesting projects in that space. And he actually coined that phrase, win and help win, uh, which, which I've always gravitated towards. So yeah, I would actually point more towards some of the thinkers that I'm currently looking at. And also uh, Vitalik uh, Buterin. So a lot of people may have heard of him, but he's one of the original founders of the Ethereum network. Also very intelligent, a lot of good thought pieces on how the space is evolving, how to think of decentralized governance and, and such topics. 
Brilliant. Yeah, Bology, Naval, and Vitalik are three very interesting minds, certainly. So um, I think there's some megasodes with Bology, certainly, where people maybe seem like, I think he did one with Tim Ferriss, I know a couple. You know, we prepare yourself for a good four hours of listening. But yes, yeah, a great place to dive deep into the topic of uh, someone who's definitely a crypto maximalist, no doubt about it. Yeah, Duffy, over to you, good sir. Any any books, any topics you'd like to recommend? Yeah, so it's funny you say that, and then I look over to the right because just like stacked throughout every room in my in my house, I just have like books everywhere because <laughs> uh, I I love books and I love reading. But um, you know, I love the Tim Ferriss podcast, and when he always asks like, "What's the book that you've given the most?" and the book that I've given the most recently, and, and it's funny because it's free. Like you can just go onto the website and you can get the digital version for free. You can download the PDF for free. You can download the audio book for free. But I always find that I keep buying the paperback and like sending it to people, but it's the almanac of Naval Ravikant. And, you know, it's for the exact same reasons that Chauncey said, but I think I've bought that no less than like 10 times in the last few months and just sent it out to friends and family because it's so dense with, with just meaningful, like information that resonates with, I think, most people. And it's just also really great concepts to be able to take a moment and just think about and meditate on. For people who are like brand new into crypto, personally, I like the book. It's Digital Gold and it's from Nathaniel Popper, but it's Bitcoin and the inside story of the misfits and the millionaires trying to reinvent money. And I like it because it gives the historical perspective around Bitcoin, which was you know, the first real meaningful digital currency that was launched. And the history behind that is amazingly important to just understand. And I think it's always good to understand like the history of how we got to where we're at now. So I would say kind of starting there, but I also love podcasts. And I think Tim Ferriss does a great job of, of always highlighting really big thought leaders within spaces. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think some great ones there. Um, yeah, the Almanac um, Navarro account that was uh, put together through a pieces, uh, a number of his think pieces, his articles and podcasts he's put together by uh, an author, which I thought was a really great way to do that. I haven't heard of Digital Gold, but we'll check that out. I think maybe one I'll add to all of this may be interesting, because I know I saw on one of your papers somewhere about Give Well um, and Effective Altruism. There is a uh, podcast with Will McCaskill and Sam Harris talking about Effective Altruism and the the whole movement. And um, it's one of the ones I bang on about a lot, actually. <laughs> so um, I would recommend that as well to maybe understand about some of the work that you're doing and the way that Angel Protocol is operating. So that would be my two pence worth in on that. Well, and that um, neatly brings us to an end. So Duffy, I'd like to say thank you again for everything you're doing. And um, all the listeners out there who want to come and find you guys, go check out Discord, check out the Twitter it's a really vibrant discord lots going on you can just get involved you can ask questions you guys are, i know sort of seem very active on there so um and again thank you very much for what you're doing it's very much appreciated thank you so much for having us always enjoy the opportunity yeah appreciate you thank you take care guys take care So if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe or leave a review on wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us. So thank you very much. We also have a newsletter on our website, talentequals.com. So you can keep up to date with all of the things we're doing here at Talent Equals and the amazing guests that we have coming up this year.